On the programme this week, I can't promise you necessarily happy news, certainly on the world of potatoes. Things are still a little bit depressed, to be honest with you. We'll try and look at the positives, though. Also, it's our last regular updates on grain and agronomy for the year. Indeed, we've a double helping from Sean Sparling this week. And we're talking stronger crops, even in the driest of conditions. The Australian boys, they're struggling with their canopies just the heat, stress. But yeah, very confident how that's going. More from the team at BioNature in a short while. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. We're just over a week away from Christmas Day and uh, no doubt you'll be having roast potatoes as part of your Christmas dinner. But for our potato farmers, it's not quite the end of the year they'd been hoping for. Colin Jackson is from PJP, Paul Jackson Potatoes. Come on, Colin, give it to me straight. How are things? Um, <laughs> things are looking up. Good. You have to say that because they're flat on the back at the moment, so there's no other way to look. I think that's probably what we would say. But uh, no, I mean, joking aside, the packing trade has had a nice little run on the uh, up to Christmas, so uh, there's been a bit a bit, bit more volume going that way. Um, but things are still a little bit depressed, to be honest with you. Um, quality in store. There's one or two people now with a few sort of issues of of rot, so that's keeping the market a little bit depressed while they are forced to uh, clear those potatoes onto a market that doesn't really want them. So uh, certain sort of processing uh, markets, that kind of thing, are really 30 to £40 pounds a tonne X in bulk. Um, so that's not very exciting for anybody. Um, but there is still some decent money to be had, you know, on the packing end. Um, uh, King Edwards is still worth um, nicely into three figures. Um, but uh, other varieties sort of down from there, really. What what would be the ideal start to 2018 for you then? What would resolve these issues? Um, it's all down to lack of confidence. Um, everything really stems from, you know, grower confidence, to be honest with you. Um, and the uh, confidence that's about at the moment is very low because of the amount of, co- uh, uh, of potatoes still left in store on a pretty slow trade. Um, if it does turn out that there has been quite a lot of wastage in store, which could well be the case, um, the high wastage levels, then all of a sudden people might start to think that the the crop might run short by the um, sort of April, May time, um, and the good quality that's in store could well go up in value. Got to work on those positives, haven't you? You've got to keep your fingers crossed and, uh, you know, New Year, we can put this behind us. Yeah, very much. I mean, the, the potato trade is always very cyclical and you really can't take one year on its own, whether it's a high year or a low year. Um, so we have to sort of take a five-year average. And actually, over the five years, you know, we've seen some pretty reasonable returns. So uh, it's the way you've really got to look at the job that uh, that we're in, because if you take each year on its own, you can really go from one extreme to another. And prices at the moment, what kind of price range are we looking at? Um, well, sort of ordinary bag potato sort of farm sales are in the region of sort of 60 to £90 pounds a tonne in papers. Um, as I say, packing trade is anywhere really from also from 60 for sort of ordinary whites. Um, but there are prices of £120, £130 a tonne for good King Edwards. Um, but processing values, as discussed earlier, really quite low. Um, 30 to 40 odd ones up in the region of £50 a tonne. Still focusing on the positives, Colin Jackson from PJP. We often do that in farming, don't we? He's hoping for a better 2018. 
I promised you a double helping of Sean Sparling on the programme this week. Well, let's start with the appetiser, his uh, final weekly reports on agronomy. Morning, Sean. Morning, Sean. Well, we might as well finish off the year by talking about the weather. We've been doing it all year. Um, this little spell that we've just gone through, we've gone through some minus five nights, then we've gone minus three, minus two, and then we've been above freezing for two or three nights. The day temperatures in the space of a week have varied from not above freezing to eight or nine degrees. And it makes you start to think, I wonder if that was winter or whether that's just the prelude to what is about to come. For me, I really do hope we get a really hard winter, um, not least to kill off the bugs that are out there in the field, because we've seen all these issues this autumn, a lot of aphid activity in cereals, a lot of bird cherry, oat aphid, grain aphid, rose grain aphids. Unless we get temperatures below minus 7 or minus 8, they're not going to die. They're going to carry on where they are. And in the field now, we've said it's getting a bit samey. You can't really find aphids out there, so there's little point putting any more insecticide on at the moment. The insecticides we use, the pyrethroids, are largely contact. They have very little residual activity at all. So there's no point throwing insecticides at a field just because that's what you always do. Remember that when you do put an insecticide on, you can compromise the populations of things like ground beetles and other predators, which, of course, are our friends. So you don't want to be using insecticides unnecessarily. And similarly, in all-seed rape, the, the aphids that are in the rape fields at the moment, you can find them underneath the larger, older leaves at the bottom, the ones that transmit turnip, mosaic virus. We need those cold temperatures to control them as well. And little point putting an insecticide in on all-seed rape. Absolutely no point, actually, putting insecticide on to control uh, cabbage stem flea beetle larvae that you're finding within the stems of these crops. If you want to kill them, the worst thing you can do is waste your money and put an insecticide on. You need to get the sheep onto the field to actually physically cart those flea beetle larvae off the field. You're wasting your time by putting an insecticide on. Um, and similarly with diseases, if you look at what this last cold spell of weather has done for us... It's killed the mildew, which was showing up quite widely in cereal crops, wheats and barleys, but it won't kill the septoria that you can find in the base of these crops, nor will it kill the yellow rust, unless it gets cold enough to physically kill the leaf itself, which is sort of minus 18 to minus 20 sort of temperatures. So the conditions are conspiring to help us, really. If you've still got some black grass out there in the field to go at, and you've got a ticket or a recommendation to go and apply Atlantis or some of of its derivatives onto some of these fields remember what we've said for goodness sake pick your day wisely it's not going to get that much bigger over the course of the next six to eight weeks particularly if temperatures decline so choosing the day when you're hitting a dry leaf a dry black grass leaf that it gets at least two hours to dry on before rain or dew fall that you put it on at 12k maximum forward speed a medium fine quality spray 50 centimeter boom height just make sure you do everything you can possibly do to get it absolutely right don't force it on. And there's a there's a, a tendency to go out there and make a mess just because it's a bit, little bit sunny and the wind's dropped. Make sure all of those things happen and you get it on as well as you can possibly do it because you've only got one go. It's expensive stuff. It's going to work poorly at best anyway on some of this resistant blackgrass. So make sure you get everything right and all the parameters need to be right for you to get the best result out of it.
disease levels in oilseed rape as well as in wheat has slowed right down. The light leaf spot has got no worse in the last two, three weeks. The FOMA levels have peaked out and they're not getting any worse. And remember, whether you're putting insecticide on or whether you're putting fungicide on, if there's no need to do it, don't. Fungicides, every time you spray those on a, an oilseed rape crop, there are um, fungal pathogens within the soil that are actually very, very beneficial to us. And every time you put a fungicide on, you compromise that population too. So there's no point wasting your money if you don't need it. If in doubt, take a leaf out of the field. If you think it's got light leaf spot, pop it in a polythene bag, stick it in the airing cupboard. If it suddenly flourishes into light leaf spot, you know you've got an issue, but it's not going to do that in the field while temperatures remain like this. So for me, a couple of inches of snow laid across the whole county until the middle of February would do absolutely no harm at all. It would insulate the crop against the rest of the winter, but it would also stop people spraying unnecessarily out there and wasting their money. Um, so all things considered, I think going into Christmas, we're in pretty good form. The delay in drilling has certainly helped. We're not full of black grass. We've got oilseed rape crops that we've managed to pamper and get past the cabbage stem flea beetle stage. The pigeons are just discovering them. The slugs have been awful this autumn, but we're not in bad form. We've got a lot done. We've got propizamide on now. The black grass seems to be pretty much under control with one or two exceptions in oilseed rape cereal crops are pretty clean and the weather has done its bit to control that bit of disease that was already there so i think we can happily go into christmas thinking you know we've done a pretty fair job a pretty fair job indeed it's all we can ask for really isn't it sean sparling of sparling agronomy services who always does far more than a pretty fair job it's fair to say he'll be back in a short while as well as we look back at the year that's drawing to a close First, though, let's chat with Mark Carter and Steve Mowbray at BioNature UK. They've celebrated their fourth year in business this year, and it's fair to say things are going from strength to strength. Yeah, we're four years in, and um, yeah, we get stronger and stronger each year. Most places we go, people are coming back, they're looking at the uh, rooting, tillering in the cereals across the UK. Um, just come back from Cornwall last week, covering um, daffodils, veg and potatoes, um, potatoes looking at skin finish, uh, internal problems, um, our delta is helping with that, daffodils, uh, we're looking at shelf life. You mentioned uh, delta there, I mean tell us a little bit about the delta problem. Uh, delta, it's highly efficient form of amine nitrogen, uh, it can be taken up by the roots and foliage, um, it doesn't scorch, it's biologically stable, um, it's 100% plant available, um, it gives a stronger, more balanced plant growth of the cytokinin type. It gives a better root fu function, um, lower environmental impact. And it is it's vital, isn't it, to get that consistency across the crop, if you like, you know, particularly with some of the weather we've been having recently. Well, that's the key to it. Um, we can't control the weather and some of the long dry spells, that's where it proves itself just gives all the nutrient the plant needs so therefore when it comes to a stress period um, the plant can cope with it. Talking of dry periods of course you've just uh, had your first shipment over in uh, Australia as well haven't you? It's particularly dry over there with the potatoes. Yeah um, the Australian boys they've been looking at what we've been doing with the potatoes and they've been looking at the skin finish um, they've been looking at the canopy um, they're struggling with their canopies because of the heat stress and putting the delta on will deal with that so um, yeah springtime there'll be a report back on that but yeah very confident how that's going 
And back here, I think you've been getting good response from, like, you know, with spinach and with, you know, leafy salads, that kind of thing? Yeah, this is the first year with salads, and the customers have come back from the um, calcium product um, talking about their colour on the leaf, the crunch um, from the leaf, real success. When we look at the weather over the last 12, 18 months or so, you know, we didn't really have a winter last year, and then the summer was, well, it was hot at the beginning it was wet during the actual summer it was hot again at the end of it uh, I guess what farmers want are consistency and is that what Delta gives you? Absolutely um, first application is key whatever the crop is early application is key so the plant's young whether it's a potato a spinach or a cereal early application starts the cycle starts the rooting tillering you must be amazed, I mean, four years ago when you, you first started, now your first shipment's gone to Australia, and here you are, a real sort of Lincolnshire success story, really, yeah? Yeah, really proud of it. Um, keep growing um, each year, and, um, yeah, I don't know where it'll take us next. And, Mike, I mean, you obviously, again, delighted four years on. How, how things are going? Yeah, very excited, uh, Sean. It's, uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's really exciting. It's a real, real buzzword in agriculture at the moment to in, uh, increase rooting biomass. A, a lot of the uh, chemicals now, fungicides, are, are being looked at by the environmental boys and we're hoping to build a healthier plant so by we can cut back on, uh, on some of the, the agrochemicals as well. Mark Carter there and before him Steve Mowbray from BioNature UK. On to the latest from the world of open field then. How are things for grain and oilseed rape? Chris Spratt is the man in the know. Morning, Chris. Good morning, Sean. So, winding down for Christmas? Well, yes, I think uh, winding up, winding down, I'm not quite sure which really in our industry. Um, Domestically, wheat prices have done very little this week as the market seems to be as we say, heading into the Christmas period with more of a whimper than a bang, I have to say, really. Uh, main focus, as always, in December for the trade anyway is logistics. Uh, not only do we have to ensure deliveries to keep consumers supplied over the Christmas period, which on occasions can be a task in itself, but of course, this season, as we've talked about it before, grain is travelling further and haulage is tight. So really, hats off to those transport managers faced with that task over the busy period, of course, and this time of year, it's, it's not, as we know, not always working in ideal uh, conditions. Looking further afield, in Russia they've had a mild start to their winter and that's helped them keep shipping wheat throughout the this uh, this autumn period at a phenomenal rate really and that's seemingly at the moment keeping a lid on international prices with the French recently having to downgrade their export prospects for non-EU destinations for the season. And as the season progresses, the demands of rail freight in Russia increases as they bring more grains to port from the interior. So, you know, post-Christmas they do generally tend to slow down anyway. Midweek, the USDA report did little to inspire the market, with the world wheat stocks raised overall about a a million tonnes, largely due to uh, about a three million tonne increase in in the Canadian and EU crops. Back in the UK, well, the physical wheat market is holding relatively well in the north, given the news of the closure of the Hull ethanol plant that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks. And dependent on uh, reopening dates or not, uh, that will have a significant bearing on the future direction of our prices as we run into next year. Feed barley still holding up well with the premium slightly narrowing to wheat. Allseed rape continuing to be uh, pressured really, uh, drifting uh, certainly in the short term by firmer sterling and a falling motif which is the French futures market. As the prices have drifted there's generally been a dearth of sellers at the, uh, these levels and consumers still have buying to do looking forward. But just how much damage has been done to the overall 
market by consumers buying imported earlier in the season. And if you remember, just after harvest, we were talking about that. Uh, as uh, at that stage, Europe it was still full of uh, Australian old crop rapeseed, and the UK was well placed to take advantage of cargoes looking for a home to redress what is in effect. Uh, on the face of it, a finely balanced supply and demand in the UK. So we really have to ask a question, was the imported tonnage more damaging in the long term than we initially thought? We'll have to see. As far as prices are concerned, feed wheat for January 18, 137 to £142 a tonne ex-farm. Little if any carry actually in the forward positions as all the focus is still on the spot demand. Old crop milling wheat premium, 10 to £13 dependent on area and your base price. Uh, but I would say there is still a good demand for soft wheat of the right spec. New crop uh, feed wheat for November 2018, 135-138x, with May 19, 141-144. Feed barley, 123-126 for January, with a pound a month carry. Old crop malting barley premium still holding well round about the £30 mark. Uh, and new crop barley, well, ill-defined really, buyers and sellers' ideas some way apart on occasions, but an indicated value of 115 for harvest to 120 to 125 for autumn 18 collection. As we spoke about earlier, all seed rape on the defensive for the time being, uh, ending the week round about £300-ish for January, with buyers reducing their ideas and reluctant sellers watching on, really hoping for a better start in the new year. New crop, uh, £295 to £300 for autumn 2018. And finally, beans. Uh, well, not the most enthralling of markets this season, I'm afraid to say. 145 to 150 for feed beans, but homes are getting full, so it could be spring movement at the earliest for some, I'm afraid. With a better quality human consumption uh, samples, still struggling to find a firm bid as export markets fail, fail to materialise, with carryover stocks and cheaper sources scuppering our ambitions for uh, the time being, I'm afraid. Thank you. The latest there from Chris Spratt from Open Field. And uh, Chris and Colin from PJP and others will all be back next Sunday, yep, Christmas Eve, for our annual farming pantomime. Yep, it's back again this year. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, also appearing, indeed starring, as Robin Hood himself will be Sean Sparling. More on that next week, but let's be serious this week. Sean, I, I know you want to take a glance over your shoulder at the year just gone, don't you, Sean? Yes, hello again, Sean. Now, despite what I said, and we are in very good nick going into Christmas, it really is largely irrelevant how well we look now, because it all matters what happens over the next nine months, obviously, because the weather is key to everything we do in this job. They always used to say, uh, this job is 80% luck and 20% skill, but if you haven't got the 20%, you shouldn't try it. And that 80% is mostly down to the weather conditions, soil type, soil structure, and everything else that goes with it. But that's the same every single year. We influence it as much as we can, but at the, at the end of the day, Mother Nature is the key to the whole thing. That's why we need to be conscious of everything that's going on around us, and that's why we need to preserve the predators and the beneficial and the good fungus um, within these canopies by not overspraying insecticides and fungicides for the sake of doing it. If you look back on last year, it's the same every year. The weather plays the biggest single part. If you go back to last October, if you remember at harvest in cereal crops in particular, there was very little blackgrass out there this year. It seemed to be quite easy to deal with blackgrass this year. But the reason for that is in October 2016, Mother Nature stepped in. We had a very wet start, so people couldn't physically drill the heavier land until the end of October, which is when they should be drilling it on some of these blackgrass sites. Hence the reason we got blackgrass out of the way 
with glyphosate before we started. We started clean and we finished clean. And, you know, that's a very, very good lesson learned. And a lot of people have learned that and they've applied it this year and have drilled late again this year. That will pay dividends as far as blackgrass goes. Because you can see it on some of the earlier drilled fields on the bad blackgrass land where they didn't wait and they did go in and get drilled. They're coming full of blackgrass. So that's a lesson learned. We don't do everything out of a can. We never have done. We have to let Mother Nature help us out um, by getting that flush of blackgrass. And the main flush of blackgrass comes in the first three weeks of October. If we can get past that and get a couple of flushes out of the way, we start clean and we finish clean. And that's what happened last year. But the single biggest event that influenced this season um, was the drought, closely followed by the second biggest event, which was the wet end to the season. So if you look at that drought, we started sort of mid-April. We got very little rain in April and May in general, right up until the early part of June. And when you're drilling spring beans, and it was the spring crops that suffered most, although winter cereal bushel weights were all over the place, but that was more to do with what happened later on, which I'll come on to in a minute. But spring beans, peas, linseed, sugar beet, those initial drillings that went in beautifully, then the drought hit, then we had some issues because they were all over the place. We got two or three crops within every field because we got the first germination which came through as normal within seven days of drilling. The rest of them sat dry and didn't come for another eight weeks. So we ended up in spring bean fields in particular with some crops nicely pushing buds out and while at the same time we've got emerging beans in the field. And the reason we had so much brooked beetle damage in the spring beans this year is exactly because of that, because timing the insecticide was virtually impossible. When you've got flowering crops that need treating for brooked beetle, you go in because the brooked lay their eggs just as the first pod set, you go in with the pyrethroid, but these later emerging ones, by the time they get to the point where they're setting flowers, you've already used your maximum allowance of pyrethroids, and timing it was absolutely impossible the other thing that happened in the beans and i've never seen this before is that when beans uh, get to about four leaf pairs they start to set all the information within themselves for how big the pods are going to be how big the beans are how many beans to a pod and it was very noticeable that once the rain did come in the middle of june um that the beans were growing far bigger than the pods were capable of holding. So we saw all of these pods splitting across the field in June, just after Lincolnshire Show, which is almost unheard of. I've never seen that before. And as a consequence, we had a lot of stained beans. And then it didn't stop there, because by the time we got to harvest, because of this variation in germination within the field, it was almost impossible to time the desiccation, because we had pods which were black, alongside just as many plants in the field with green pods, and some of them actually still flowering. So very, very complicated the peas were all over the place the vining peas i've never had so many fields turned into combining peas than vining because they went past the stage of vining um, sugar beet was another one weed control was difficult and they looked absolutely shocking but with sugar beet the yields have been absolutely phenomenal 80 tons is common and almost disappointing this year sugars are so good but varietal differences have shown up some of them looked awful it just goes to show it doesn't matter what they look like if you've made the right decisions at the right time you've controlled the weeds you've done your bit with disease there's not a lot more you can do and at 
the end of the day, you don't want tops, you want sugar beet. Um, and as long as the top is there at the right time and we get that sugar, that's what it's all about. Now on cereals, we've had some variables within the cereal crops this year. The bushel weights, specific weights in particular, have been relatively disappointing. Yields have been all right. They've been largely above the five-year average. But it's because of the weather once again, because we took nothing really but rain throughout July, August and September. And July and August, obviously, is when we need the sunshine to ripen these crops. What they did was die rather than ripen. They just didn't finish properly. So bushel weights haven't been brilliant. We wanted sunshine, we got rain. When you think we got over 80 mil of rain in July, we got over 80 mil of rain in August, we got over 80 mil of rain in September it's a wet time and that is never good for finishing a crop so the weather played the biggest part and it's already started in this season because we've started with 15 mil of rain in october and 18 mil of rain in november which it's a very dry start so you can't help thinking it's going to even itself up somewhere can we learn anything from last year only that mother nature is the most important thing in our farming lives we can do our best that's all we can ever do but Mother Nature is the one who's governing everything that happens in this industry. That's why we need to look after the land and we need to look after the soils and the environment as well because all the little things within those environments are the things that are helping us. So, yeah, I think um, all we can learn is that we can't learn anything at all. Uh, more words of wisdom there. You know, we should write a book on them, get them published. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. This time last week we were uh, looking at a rather snowy scene is it going to be a white Christmas, though? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. In a word, no. In two words, probably not. I'm edging my bets. Famous last words, I know, but it doesn't look like it's getting a little bit warmer, actually milder anyway. Today, for example, we're looking at highs of five or six Celsius, maybe even eight Celsius come nightfall tonight. Mostly dry today, maybe a shower in places. The wind from the southwest, hence the temperature is 15, gusting at 35 miles an hour by the afternoon. Overnight tonight, possibility of a few showers, and then it will get a bit cooler after midnight, so peaking at 8, but then falling down 3 or 5 degrees. The wind more from the west-northwest, 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then tomorrow, that uh, northwesterly wind continuing at 5 miles an hour. Should be dry, patchy cloud. We're looking at highs of 6 Celsius. Getting milder again Monday into Tuesday night as that wind swings more from the south-southwest at about 10 miles an hour. That'll mean overnight temperatures of about 6 or 7 Celsius again. And indeed on Tuesday, again, mostly dry with patchy cloud, but that wind still from the southwest, meaning temperatures could reach 10 degrees. Tuesday into Wednesday, staying mild, maybe a shower in places. The wind more from the west-southwest, 10 gusting at 15, 8 the low. And then another mild Wednesday, thicker cloud though, 11 the high. The wind from the west-southwest, again about 10 miles an hour. Then the latter end of the week, well it does look like some uh, particularly heavy rain may pass over us uh, through Thursday. It might just miss us though, we'll keep a check on that. And we are looking at temperatures again, possibly in double figures as we head towards the weekend with overnight lows. Much the same, really. And it looks like that mild condition could well stick with us through the weekend towards Christmas Day. But we'll get more of a picture of that as the week continues. That is the forecast then. Next week, as mentioned, all your farming regulars will be here as they present our annual farming pantomime. Loosely, and I do stress the word loosely, based on the story of Robin Hood. Even a certain Sally Elkington will be back performing for you. That's Christmas Eve at the usual time. Until then, have a good last week's Christmas shopping.